What's up, guys? Welcome to Roaring Podcast, where we interview experts in tech and product management, providing insights and tips on how to digitize and automate your business processes. My name is Jesper Kask, and I'm your host. E-identification, digital customer journeys, data, and customer relation ownership. In this episode, we have the pleasure of speaking to Christopher von Bietzen, Chief Product Officer at Freya IAIDEA, about all of the above and more. If you wish to know more about Freya and their solutions, please visit freyaeid.com. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Let's dive right in. Okay, so without further ado, uh, welcome, Christopher. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so first question that we always like to start with, what do you love the most about digitization? Well, I would say not not uh, so much from a user perspective, since this is something each and every one of us has an experience from. I would say from, from a more uh, kind of, of entrepreneurial or, or business perspective that it has liberated so much power that if you look at the Fortune 500 companies uh, today, most of them, or, or, or at least uh, the, the, the biggest ones, have been you know started uh, the, the past 10, 20 years. And, and that's thanks to tools that's been available now and is available for everyone. So, so I think the liber- liberalization of how you can do business, now you can create new value and new companies, that, that's pretty amazing. And, and that would be kind of my, my uh, five cents uh, on that question. That's a great answer. And obviously, Freya idea where you work, is a, is a part of this. Uh, uh, what's the story behind the company? Well, in in short, we we uh, I I, I uh, usually say we were the oldest startup in Stockholm <laughs> because we started already back in two thousand and two, and and the focus already then was to do the um, digital identities for the banks. Those were the first ones that that had any kind of of value of of digital identities. So when you were you know closing down your your uh, your uh, physical branches and and going to online banking, you needed. To identify people securely in order to you know uh, manage the money so we were uh, a company that, that focused on this and provided uh, swedish citizens with the uh, with the bank tokens you know the hardware tokens uh, that actually is still in use today and then more and more you know uh, areas of, of business and public sector etc started to realize the need of having a, um, a secure way of identifying users and we were in in this business uh, on the on the kind of technological proprietary uh, part of of the business. We 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 made systems that banks used in in you know uh, Latin America, in in the UK, etc. Big banks and and government institutions and so on. Um, but that was like the each of 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 these organizations they were managing their own. Identity. So, so the bank took care of their own, you know, relation with their users with our technology, um, and and that was basically how it looked and how it still looks in in many parts of the world today. But in Sweden, we had something called Bank ID that was kind of revolutionizing the whole industry. And instead of each and every organization having their own issuance of of identities, they relied on something common that the banks had issued and then the tax authority and, and e-health and businesses and others could rely on bank id to sort out this very important uh, question about identities and then around 2016 we said that you know we need to, to to jump on this train first of all we saw that bank id became a monopoly player in sweden and all monopolies 
must be challenged. That, that's kind of, of the core, you know, vision that I have. And secondly, you know, this is a huge business opportunity for the rest of the world. If something that is so successful here in Sweden does not almost even exist in, in the rest of the world, this must be something uh, for us to, to, to look into. So we started Freya EID, launched this user-facing cloud service back in 2017. And then gradually we, we kind of, of moved away from our uh, traditional uh, legacy business. And, and finally, we sold that off. I think it was in 2020 and changed the name of the company to Freya EID. And now we're all about this cloud-based uh, software as a service uh, identity called Freya EID. Mm. It's a really cool story. And obviously you're, you're experiencing a lot of growth, uh, which, is, which is really cool. But something that caught my attention when, uh, was when you were uh, talking about data ownership recently in a panel discussion at Stockholm Fintech Week. Um, uh, and I just thought that was a really interesting take on, on, on the whole issue. What's the problem with not having uh, ownership of your data today? And what are some of the examples that we can look at? Well, first of all, I think uh, from, from a user perspective, I'm not really sure that everyone is really aware of, 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 of this problem. Uh, I mean, people are sharing data left and right without really thinking too much about uh, privacy and so on. But it's starting to become much more, uh, uh, you know, uh, discussed now and, and much more, you know, on, on the table, N not least since GDPR. And, and But even more, for example, when, when Apple uh, launched uh, uh, iOS 14.5, where, where it suddenly became very obvious to a user that you need to choose, do you want to be tracked, do you want this data to be shared, and so on. So suddenly we, we have come to a situation that the users are starting to understand that, hey, my data is actually worth a lot of money, and, and some big tech American companies are making you know billions on, on, on harvesting this data. Um, so we, we set out to create the service already from the beginning, because when we started to design Freya, GDPR was on the table. We knew the le legislation would come in 2000, 2018. And we just said, hey, let's create a product that is aligned with GDPR. Instead of trying, as, as everyone else, just hide behind, you know, long privacy, uh, uh, you know, declarations that you need to sign and just try to, to, to trick the user of, of, of sharing data. We said, let's be transparent. So everything you do with Freya is basically about you as a user giving to send consent to everything you share. So if you identify yourself to a service uh, and, and if you need to share your email or your phone number or your address, that comes up in a pop-up and saying, you are now sharing this data with, with this particular service. Do you want to do that or not? And then the user can choose. And I think this has kind of, of, of set the new trend for, for, at least in Sweden, what you should do uh, when it comes to data sharing. And, and, and the great thing is that with uh, this um, kind of transparency, people can say, well, I want to share this data with these guys and, and this get data I don't want to share with anybody. And, and, and if people start doing it like that, I think we can actually come to a point where, where data is something that you are controlling yourself and, and if you have a tool to do it, then you can actually uh, create the situation where, where data is something that gives you a value as a user, not only these big tech American companies. Mm. And, and how does it, you mentioned in, in, in the panel discussion, I think was Klarna was one example that you said is, is, uh, is a problem today that Klarna owns the, the uh, businesses data. Um, 
could you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, uh, it's not it's not the business state that that has more to my point with Klarna um, has more to do with the relation with the users. So if you think about it as it is today, you come to an uh, e-commerce uh, website, and they don't ask you to identify when 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 you do your shopping because they don't want any friction. They just want you to browse, put things in the basket, and then check out as soon as possible with as little friction as possible. And I mean, Klarna has made a great job of a frictionless checkout. It's amazing, and, and they also add this, this credit facilities and, and, and whatnot. But the problem with that is that you identify yourself to Klarna when you do the checkout or to any other buy now, pay later uh, company when you do the checkout. And this means that you as an e-commerce operator, you know, does not have the direct relation to your end user because the identification is done via a third party. Uh, and our kind of mission now, especially now when we move into e-commerce, is to, to tell all the e-commerce companies, you need to have a relation with your users. And that, that relation should start when they come to your website such that you can identify them. You know, they log into the loyalty club and they can see whatever loyalty points or, or, you know, personalized offers they have when they start shopping. Not afterwards, because now they get those personalized offers from Klarna, right? And and we want to just bring back that control to to the e-commerce companies who has the, 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 you know, they spent millions of of, of getting the user (laughs) to become a customer, and obviously, they, they, they want to maintain that relationship. So I think that's really key for, for many to understand today. Mm. And as a provider of an EID solution, among other things, um, in what way are solutions like yours an important part of creating smooth digital customer journeys or whatever? So, for example, we are, um, if you compare us with, with most other identities, I mean, in Sweden, there, there's not too many others to, to compare with. And, and everyone thinks that, you know, bank ID is something that the United Nations provide to, to all people in the world. And, and that's kind of a human right. But it's not. It's, it's a private uh, solution. It's great. It's issued by the banks uh, on certain conditions. But they, they are basing their identity uh, on, on the social security number or, or the personnummer, as we call it in, in Sweden. Um, where we are kind of, of creating an identity for the individual. And then the, the social security number is one of the attributes. Your email address or email addresses are uh, attributes. Your phone number, your um, postal address. <clears throat> Uh, it can be a variety of things. We even have the COVID vaccination uh, data uh, as attributes. We can add, you know, an infinite number of attributes to you as a, as, as a user, which means that, that when you come to do a, a user onboarding, let's say you are a Freya user, you registered, you have the data in Freya, you come to an e-commerce site, let's say, and they say, okay, register as a loyalty customer and you get 20% on your first purchase. Continue with Freya. Like that, you share all that data you need to share to become a, a member uh, or a customer, including the GDPR consent, including the legally binding signature of accepting their terms, etc. Instead of first identifying, create the password, and then you should remember your, your, your grandmother's cat name next time you forget your password, and then you should enter your phone number, and then you should enter your address. That's a cumbersome process. We want to get rid of that. We want onboarding to be as easy as just clicking on Freya and giving the consent in one go. Yeah. And why is it important to have several options? You mentioned sort of Bank ID as the, as the bigger player today. Um, why is it important to have several options available in the market? 
Well, I think, first of all, we should uh, not forget that, that we have now become, at least if we look in, in Sweden, we have become dependent on electronic identities. There's over 5,000 different services that are requiring you to have an EID to enter those services and to do any kind of business. And that's services like Swish, you know, uh, the national infrastructure for, for mobile payments. It's uh, accessing your e-health, taxes authority, e-commerce, you name it. If bank ID is down, even for just a few hours, which happened, you know, not 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 so long ago, just a few weeks ago, uh, for a few hours, then you know Sweden stops. If if you don't have a, a redundancy option, you are losing money. I mean, if you are, uh, let's say, if you're, you're just imagine this situation: you have you're a day trader on the stock market. You have gone short on on some position on the stock market, and then you go for a lunch. And then your EID suddenly doesn't work for three hours in the afternoon. You see the uh, stock market, market is dipping and your position is going haywire. You lose a million dollars just because you couldn't identify yourself to your, to your stock trading service. That's just one extreme example. But not to have redundancy when we are dependent on EID is, is crazy. Uh, so, so that's for the kind of redundancy purpose. The other thing is that we need to offer EID to everyone. There, there's still uh, up up around there. There's no exact number, but uh, they say that that's uh, around one million Swedish people uh, do not have any ID, uh, and and some cannot get bank ID for 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 different reasons and so on. And 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 some of these people can can get Freya. So we need to think about inclu- uh, including everyone. I mean, the, the services that are you know amazing for you and me. We can so easily log in somewhere with our EID. If you don't have any ID. Try to manage a few days in Sweden without it. It's horrible. So we need to think about all these people that are not included uh, in in the digitalization. They need to be in on this journey as well. And and the only way to do that is to have several options. We can't just expect that one operator will fix it for everyone. It, It doesn't happen in any other industry. So that's why we need to take responsibility for redundancy and for including everyone. Hmm. And is there a risk as well with... Bank ID being a, a product of the banks, uh, is there a risk that they could just choose what they want to do with it, so to speak, or uh, is there is there a problem there as well? Yes, yeah, so so I think not, but um, so I think uh, not in particular because they are banks, uh, because the banks are doing a, a great job when it comes to security and compliance. That they, they have, you know, one of the most regulated inter- industries. In the world, so so when it comes to security and compliance, the, the banks are doing you know a, a great job, but this is also uh, creating a problem in in issuing EIDs. So if you are a bank, then you cannot issue uh, a bank account to anyone. There there are certain regulations they need to to follow in order for for someone to open a, a bank account, and if you can't have a bank account, you can't have a bank ID. Uh, and that creates a lot of problems. So, so we cannot just demand from the banks that everyone should have an EID because then they will be violating other regulations uh, in, in relations to how they open a bank account. Uh, so I think that the banks are trying as hard as they can, but it's impossible for them to, to accommodate uh, everyone in, in, in a situation like this. And I don't think it's fair either to just expect the banks to solve it. You know, it, the bottom line is this is actually a, a responsibility from, from the government. So the government should make sure that we have a EID solutions for everyone. We're trying to do as best as we can. Bank ID is trying their best. 
And if there's, you know, a, a gap somewhere, uh, in the end, it, it needs to be kind of a government responsibility to make sure that either a private operator like us, you know, fills those gaps or they, they offer something from, from, from the kind of public sector side. Yeah. And you mentioned sort of the, the uh, use of EID in, in creating a really smooth uh, sign-up or onboarding or checkout solution. Um, where should you start if you want to use EID to improve a, a specific business process? Uh, where's the normal sort of low-hanging fruits in companies today? Well, I think uh, it has been uh, mostly driven by, by compliance. Uh, for example, the, the banks that they needed to securely identify their you know, users, they have regulations around that. And then it came to the gambling industry. We had a new gambling uh, regulation in Sweden a few years ago where you're required to, to onboard your users with a, you know, uh, approved EID. Uh, and, and now there's coming other regulations. So there is a proposition from the Swedish government that from the 1st of January, all the checkouts in e-commerce should be uh, verified with an approved uh, electronic identity. So these regulations are coming from, from all over the place now. But if you think about it, I think that the, the, the worst enemy to customer, you know, onboarding, to user acquisition and to retention, at least from my personal, you know, uh, point of view, is passwords. I try to keep this security standard that you shouldn't have the same password on different uh, sites and so on. So I keep forgetting these passwords. And then I'm like, oh, if it's not super important, then I might not take the uh, time uh, required to do the password reset. And then someone is losing business. If you have an EID, you, you, you probably never forget your password. You have one ID that you can access everything with. And that smoothness. I mean, who wouldn't want a, you know, smoother onboarding process? Having passwords in, in your user flow, it's like having, you know, if you're, let's say you're a physical store, you know, a physical retail store, you try to get in the door. And then someone is standing there and say, hey, give me your secret code. Oh, I forgot it. I need to go home and get it. Oh, sorry. I mean, you just open the doors for your customers. It should be the same online. Just open the doors. And behind the scenes, all this compliance technology and, and security is, is happening without the user even, even have to kind of bother with it. It's pretty magical. And, and I'm, I'm surprised that businesses are not more looking into, you know, onboarding and, and, and retention. That's where really EID can help you a lot. Mm. And what other parts are, are crucial in your point of view when it comes to, to user acquisition or, or sign up or customer onboarding uh, besides the EID? Well, I, I think it's uh, become pretty obvious to everyone right now. Again, with the iOS 14.5, as I mentioned, but also Facebook is stating a few months ago, we are not allowing you to target individuals under 18 on mm. any other, you know, personal information than than the age, not about interest, user behavior, and so on. Google is is you know stopping third party cookies from next year. It's already been stopped in in several browsers. It's becoming increasingly difficult to reach out to new customers online. And I think the problem uh, has you know uh, arisen because these big tech companies, perhaps not. Apple then, but most big tech companies ha have not treated the personal data uh, as well as you've been expecting them to. GDPR was one way of doing it. It really didn't fly uh, too much for, 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 for that particular you know, vector at least. And now there's coming new EU regulations. It, it, it's making it harder and harder to make your user acquisition online. 
And what we've been doing in Freya is saying like, hey, we now have, have 600,000 users and they are interacting with Freya and our service partners with consent. So we can actually help you to connect with our users with consent as the core feature of this. And I think if, if you look at EID like that and, and you start, you know, um, you start interacting with the users based on consent and transparency, then you can have a, a, a totally new and, and, and uh, unique way of getting in touch with those users who are, you know, increasingly difficult to reach via the social media platforms, uh, as we can see today. Mm. That's, that's super. Uh, what would you leave the listeners with as we're coming up on time? Uh, is there any particular tip or, or insight that you want to share that you think would be good for everyone to, to, to have with them? Well, I, I would just start to look outside uh, of, of our borders. I mean, we are now in a situation where, uh, where cyber attacks might become uh, an increasing problem for us. So make sure to, first of all, not base your business operations on, on you know, uh, 19th century or, or 20th century solutions like, like username and password. The security just does not do it. So move away from that, look into an EID and make sure that you have redundancy. Uh, you know, offer your users variety and choice. choice. That gives you redundancy and that gives you inclusiveness as well. So that would be my, my recommendation, because when you do, then you will find there's so many opportunities opening up uh, in terms of, of user onboarding, you know, frictionless user interaction and, and customer retention. Mm, super. And, and as we're touching upon that subject, we, we didn't really get into the, the whole Russia discussion and, and, and uh, all that deep. But uh, is there a have you seen an increase in, in the interest of your service based on the fact that uh, there's an overhanging threat of, of Russians potentially? Uh, let's say, for example, that they, they, they perform a cyber attack and they sh bank ID shuts down. Um, have you seen an increase in, in, in the interest in your services uh, based upon that? Yeah, I, I think it, it's a combination of, of, of that, 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 you know, both from public sector and private sector, you know, they realize the need for, uh, for redundancy because everyone uh, can actually see quite clearly if your service is down for a few hours or, or even a few days, the money you're losing, you know, uh, is it, it, not even, uh, you know, equivalent uh, or, or comparable to, to the cost of having Freya for, for a full year. So, so I think everyone or, or quite a lot of people are, are starting to see that logic now. And then I think the other thing is, is that more and more are starting to realize that, you know, we need to include everyone. The inclusiveness is is really really important. Everyone is talking about sustainability, 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 but they're missing out that there's almost one million people in Sweden who cannot, you know, do basic things online. And if you want to be sustainable, make sure that you have choice in your electronic identity, so so that everyone who wants to join you can join you. I mean, from 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 a fairness perspective. Um, uh, it, it, it's great, but also from from a business perspective, these are also customers, and 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 you should do what you can to include them. Yeah, I love that. Uh, that's great, Christopher. Thank you so much for joining us. It was great having you on, and uh, I hope to see you soon again. Thank you so much. You've been listening to an episode of a Roaring podcast by Roaring IO. Feel free to share it with your friend, colleague, or peer if you liked it. 
If you wish to stay connected to us, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.